Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. Today is a special day, gentlemen, not just because uh, the NBA season started. Obviously, you had two kind of not that interesting games to watch, I guess, when things were all said and done between the Nets and the Warriors and the Lakers and the Clippers. It's not just special because of that, but it's also special because not too long ago, this show hit the 5,000 listens mark, man. 5,000 listens, 5,000 people have clicked on this show and said, not people, but 5,000 times people have clicked on this show and said, eh, let's listen to what Eddie, Julio, and Reagan got to say about NBA, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, th- thank you to all the listeners that, uh, you know, tune in, whether it's consistently or every once in a while, we appreciate it all. So, yes, thank you. Bless up. No doubt. Yeah, and I mean, we're not one of those shows that mess with the algorithms. We don't, you know, hire people who to just click this stuff on purpose. So I know all 5,000 are genuine. And to uh, everyone who's contributed to that 5,000, of course, it's much appreciated. And, you know, it's only up and up and um, more to go from here. Exactly. Now, I will say, while we don't hire people to click, Cam's been putting in work. If y'all if y'all remember Cam, if you're fans of the show, if you're real fans of the show, you know Cam is like a friend of the show that we bring on sometimes. And uh, Cam puts in work. Cam be listening to our stuff. So big shout out to Cam, no doubt. But yeah, like Eddie and Julio said, thank you to all of you out there who tune in consistently, inconsistently. This is just something we started because we all like basketball and there's a good chemistry between the three of us. And uh, lo and behold, it's worth something, man, because people lose, listen to it. It's been what a little bit over a year, a year and a couple months. Since we started in 5K. Well, if we if we go by NBA seasons, it's basically been a season. Pretty much. And that that's that's pretty cool, man. But with that said, let's get over all the mushy stuff. Let's jump into some basketball, man. So before we get into what happened tonight, I wanna talk about some of these extensions that took place right before the season started. You know, the deadline came up and a lot of dudes got their money. Some guys didn't. So to warm up, we're going to make these warm-ups. We're going to call them Reagan warm-ups or some shit. I don't know. But we're going to warm up by you giving me your brief opinion, whether you thought it was a good deal or a bad deal on behalf of the team um, to give these guys their money. And then I have two more, whether you think they should have got extended or not. All right, so sound good? Let's do it. All right, for sure. First up, I'm going to give y'all OG and Nunaby four years, $72 million, good or bad? Eddie, I'm going to let you go first. Okay, so, I mean, OG's a guy for me that I think he's primed to be uh, like a super role player in the future. Because mm-hmm. I think anyone who watches him knows that he's not going to be like a star or anything. But you're talking about 3 and D and like a legit 3 and a legit D. So... A player like that, you know, those kind of role players are worth a lot in this NBA. So I think the the, the seventy two million he got is really fair, and um, he I think he's he's ready to break out this season. Hmm. I, I I think this four year seventy two million was probably the maybe not the best, but I guess the fairest contract uh, of these you know extensions that I saw um, this off season. I really like it for Toronto, you know, locking up one of their young guys uh, for the future, a wing player who can defend, uh, uh, you know, score. He's not a scorer, but he, he can, you know, he he doesn't look lost on the offensive end. It's not like he can only shoot threes. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I thought this contract extension was the fairest of them all. Gotcha. 
to me, it felt like kind of the inverse of what happened with Jeremy Grant, right? On the one side of the spectrum, you have guys who say, you know what? I think I want a bigger role. I think I can do more. Let me go elsewhere. On the other end, you guys, guys like, I'm comfortable with just doing what I do for this team within the context of the Toronto Raptors. Who's to say who's right or wrong? But both guys got their money. I'm inclined to say this is a good deal. Next up, we have Luke Kennard, who played tonight. Four years, $64 million. How do we feel? I think, see... For, for the type of player he is, I think he can – he's not the type of player who's going to be that super six-man in the sense that he's going to, you know, drop 25 a game. But he can just do so many different things well. He, he's a great passer. He's a he's a good scorer, and he's a good, you know, shooter, catch-and-shoot type guy. He's not a very good defender. Uh, the only problem I have with Luke Kennard is, is what everybody has with him. Um, is his injury proneness hmm. um, and he's still a young guy he you know hopefully he gets over that injury bug but other than that the number is great um, the Clippers lock up uh, again another young guy for them to move forward with I think he's going to be very valuable for them you know right now and you know in, in the future no. it's, it's one thing for me where I think the Clippers did well by getting him I like that fit going forward but um, the number is a bit high, but also if you're the Clippers, um, given you know that they already spent most of their money on Paul George and hopefully they can keep Kawhi, um, you're kind of just at the part where you kind of just give whatever the player reasonably wants. So um, I don't really like the value there, but you know I think it's still a tradable contract if things go weird, and it, it's fine. I guess it's 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 one of those things where it's maybe not the most shrewd use of money. But they're an over-the-cap team, so you know they have to give that money to someone. It's mm-hmm. not a bad player to give it to. No doubt. How do we feel about Jonathan Isaac's three-year or four-year? Why did I type three years, fifty million? It's four years, eighty million dollars, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's see this. Uh, of course, I'm not going to say it's egregious, but this is where the contract for me started getting a little bit like I I would I wouldn't give that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially what what two injuries has he sustained? ACL, that were pretty serious. Two yeah. ACLs, right? Yeah. It, yeah. So, a I I the only the only type of players I'm giving that type of money to, and, and again, we're not talking about you know the 2010s when max contract money was like 25 mil. So, I, I guess I do have to put it a, a little bit more into perspective. But that's my issue with Jonathan Isaac. He, I don't believe he's going to be an overwhelming, you know, consistent all-star every single year, you know, in and out. So I, I just wouldn't give the money to that type of player, especially coming off of two ACL surgeries. So I, I, I wouldn't have done it. Not, not at that price. So I know I kind of cemented myself as like the defense hater. And I mean, I, I, I love I love Jonathan Isaac's defensive prospects. Like I, I do think he's a game changing defender. You know when he's healthy, when he's locked in. Um, but at the same time, he just hasn't shown enough development on the other end to really prove that he can do anything really. Like he shows flashes, but you know he's got to shoot better, he's got to handle better, recognize the game better on the other end. It's just so many things where, you know, if he was healthy, like maybe you can bet on him, but. You know, it's also a question of was another team going to really offer him that kind of money if he hit restricted free agency, given his health issues? And, like, I don't know. And then if you're the Magic, it feels like they're building their team around a lot of players that are exactly. like an AC team at best. So <laughs> it's kind of yes. kind of confounding to me. Hmm. Well, you brought up defense, Eddie, and I have to say, initially when I saw it, like, I was – I was a little bit happy. It warmed my heart to see because obviously, like you mentioned, Jonathan Isaac's not a guy who anyone is, you know, it's nothing to cry home about offensively, right? But defensively, he has the potential to be one of the five to three best guys, most game-changing players in the league. So you're getting paid $20 million because of what you're doing on that end of the floor. And you know I love my defense, so it was cool to see him get that money. Um, in terms, in the context of the Magic, though, I'm inclined to agree with you guys. It's like that's a lot of money to dish out to a guy who a is hurt and is b when he hasn't been hurt, he hasn't shown twenty million dollar potential to me. Like that's that's a pretty penny to give a guy, and you know maybe you bet on the upside with him, maybe you don't, but you know I'm not sure I would have handed that that contract out if I'm the general manager. All right, Derek White, four years, seventy three million. 
I did not see the numbers before you told me right now. So how how many, how how much money is that per year? That's let me do some quick like math. Eighteen, pretty much. Thirty-three. Hey, that that's look. I love Derek White, and I, I've watched him a, a a bunch of times. You know, watching the Spurs because the Spurs always have. You know, they always draft is set. You know, really well, and they always get these. You know, under the radar type players that. Um, that people just don't recognize just because they play for the Spurs. Um, and, I, and I love Derek White's game. I think, you know, his ability to attack, to shoot, to do a bunch of things on the court is, is very – it's great, but not at that price. Mm. Not when you, you've shown as an organization that you can draft very, very, very well, um, especially at that position. And when you have a lot of guards um, that you can not – pay 18 million to or i think guys with maybe a little bit more upside is he a great role player yes is he going to be an all-star never so i just 18 is way too high for me hmm. so the one half of me believes that Derek white is like a budding star waiting like to me he, he kind of can follow the kyle lowry career trajectory um, and I and I think that's pretty plausible. He's looked really good in flashes when he's gotten the opportunity, but also at the same time, like these players have to get paid off of like a little bit of what have they done, right? And nothing that Derek White has done kind of warrants the seventy three million. But if you ask me, would I trust him to kind of fulfill that paycheck? I would, but you know that's more of like a personal thing. I'm kind of surprised he got that money, but that's good for him. Um, he's a good player. He he can ball for sure. Definitely seems like San Antonio perhaps understands that, the, you know, just by nature of having guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, like DeMar DeRozan, having so much so much of a backlog in their in their backcourt that they've had perhaps a stifled Derek White a little bit. They see potential and, in, in, you know, perhaps that the rest of us haven't seen yet or at least come to fruition on the NBA court. Last but not least, in terms of the extensions that occurred, Kyle Kuzma, three years, 40 million. You, you know, see, you know I, I know in it. the group chat, all, all of you guys said that it was a decent contract, or I don't know if Reagan commented on yeah, it. But yeah, it's a decent contract. I, I, it's just so hard for me to give $40 million to a low IQ player. He's a low IQ player. And does he get hot sometimes? Yes. Is he going to be useful to us this season? Yes, because we don't have many wings who are his length who can – maybe move as well as he does. But he he just doesn't move the needle for me. And, I, and maybe I'm biased because of his style of play and his attitude that I see on the court sometimes. Like, he's a glorified hairstylist. And, and I don't know if I can give $40 million to that to that You're type greasing of it. player. You're greasing it now. A glorified hairstylist? <laughs> Like, I get it. We just watched Paul George take this man's lunch for the entirety of this game, but a glorified hairstylist, he's better than that. Eddie, go ahead, man. Go ahead. He can't finish. He can't finish. Like They're giving $40 million to be, like, the maybe eighth best player on on that team right now, maybe. And what they're really doing is so if they trade for someone like, let's say, Zach Levine and his $18 or whatever number it is that Julio likes to bring up on the show a lot, um... You know, it becomes a tradable piece. That's um, otherwise, fair. it doesn't really make sense. But, you know, keep him as a trade asset, I guess. That's kind of what he's worth to the Lakers now, kind of like every other young star after a few years. Indeed, indeed. All right. Now let's move on. I thought, to... Go ahead. La- last thing, I thought you were going to bring up Markel Fultz for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why don't we do that? I, I meant to. Markel Fultz, bring him up. I. That's another contract that that's my that was my least favorite contract. Really? That, that's, what? That's all I'll say. Wait, really? It's I'll not say. even that. It's three years, fifty million. That's not that expensive. It's it's exactly what Eddie said. These guys are signing guys to be, you know, eight eight seeds for you know for the next eight years. But that wasn't I mean, that but, money but see, though. Like. But see, I don't feel that way about Markel though because to him, there's still a lot of untapped potential there. Oh, don't I'm say that. To, don't say those words to Julio. Security. <laughs> I'm not giving but, that. I'm not giving that man 17 per year. He hasn't shown me that. He has not he shown me that. He's only 22, and he's already shown that he's you know a really solid defender because of his length. You know, an extremely uh, creative dribble. And he attacks the basket well. 
okay. And he's like, a good passer. And then obviously it's like he forgot how to shoot and he's slowly getting it back. But it's like you kind of you, you know you kind of wonder if there's just more to him that he's slowly kind of getting all of his things back. You know, kind of like if you just throw everything all over the place, now he's slowly like collecting everything. And you know, what does that even mean? Hey, yo, 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 yo. First of all, what does that even mean? No, I think I don't think I don't think that's that egregious of a thing to say at all. Like I don't know. I mean, okay, because the the go ahead. It's just like you know, people people go through mental blocks with any sport, like whether it's like golf or or baseball or whatever. It's like it must have been a mental something that was exacerbated because of some sort of injury that he forgot how to shoot, and you can see that every season it just looks (laughs) a little bit. And a little bit better. <laughs> no, I'm with Eddie on that. I'm not giving that 17 mil, bro. If you don't, if you can't even have confidence in yourself, you forget how to shoot. My God, 17. Miss me with that. Miss me one, with that. One day, I hope you get to run a team because you will literally like you'll get a guy through his rookie deal, and if he's not an all star by the time that rookie deal is up, you're like, I'm not paying you more than 10 million, bro. <laughs> like you gonna have to leave. You're gonna have to leave my building if you ask for more than 10 million. You're not an all star yet. All right, let's move on real quick. And by the way, I'm inclined to agree with Eddie. I feel like in the last year of that Markel deal, we'll be looking at that as a bargain deal. That's my opinion. I think that by the time give Markel two years, he's going to be looking like uh, one of the better guards in the NBA. That's my opinion. Even if even if they're one of the worst teams in the NBA, they won't. Yeah, they're not going to be, especially with the way the Eastern Conference is shaping up. They're not going to be like some insane team, especially with the contracts that they've doled out to other guys. But Markel, I can see easily getting. 16, 17, and 7 a game. I think that that's reasonable. That's within his grasp. Um, All right, two more guys I want to mention that didn't get deals. And I want you to tell me whether or not you felt like they should have gotten money, perhaps what amount of money you had been willing to deal out to them, whether it was a good decision by the team, or whichever direction you want to take it. So first up, we got Lonzo Ball. Good decision by the, by the Pelicans. I mean, it, it depends what number. Uh, with both of these guys, it, it depends what number you know the team is asking for, what number the 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 player is asking for. But Lonzo Ball, you you got to show me more. I'm not just gonna sign you to an extension, uh, you know, on the cheap just because you know just to sign you. Uh, you you have to show me way way more in your development. Hmm. I just have a feeling that Lonzo's camp probably asked for something in the range of like four years, eighty. And to me, like that, that's way too much money to be giving to someone who doesn't come close to warranting that, you know, like, I mean, if, if he plays like how he's played up to his career now, he's probably going to get like Chris Dunn money in free agency. And, you know, and, and that's on Lonzo to prove it because New Orleans doesn't necessarily need him, you know, in the future. They already have B.I. They've drafted, you know, guards like Kyra Lewis to, you know, fill in the pieces there where mm-hmm. if Lonzo wants to be a part of that, team or or even to you know fulfill his you know next contract then he's, he's got to play better hey man we might see these ball brothers all link up in charlotte for real man i don't know <laughs> leangelo is right. not good enough to be in the nba if they get uh, i will say if they get both lonzo and Lamelo on the same team i could see some cheese happening where leangelo just ends up on the roster just on some on some bs but last but not least Lori markinen Oh wow! I thought you were gonna mention Jared Allen. I th- I didn't even know Laurie Marketing was up for an extension. Um, I I mean I, I I'd say it's a good decision by the by the Bulls. If Bi was you know if, if the Pelicans kept Bi waiting, I don't think it's a bad decision by the Bulls to keep Laurie Marketing waiting. Um, it, again, it depends what number he was asking for. Uh, maybe it would have been a good idea to sign him and then he becomes more of a tradable asset. But, I mean, he's not an overwhelming, you know, talent type of guy that you have to have on your team uh, that you have to retain or else it's going to come bite you back in the ass. So, I mean, it, it's it's a fine decision by the Bulls. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about Laurie Markkinen like I do about John Collins where, like, their individual production – is going to make them worth a lot of money that's not going to be seen in how much they contribute to winning so some like you know lottery team will give these dudes like 100 million or something by next season but i think it's good that atlanta and chicago respectively didn't give them that money because it's better spent elsewhere and developing other pieces it's yes. gonna it's gonna be and you just stranglehold you just stranglehold your organizations to like 
B minus players for no reason, like for no reason. It'll be interesting. I, I think Laurie's one of the guys to keep an eye on this season just because his role within the offense last year versus what it seems like it's going to be this year, he's, his words, he said it's like night and day. He feels like he has much more of an expanded role in the offense. And we saw his rookie season, there was a lot of potential there, and then it kind of got stifled under, uh, gosh, what was his name, Jim Boylan, the coach? Yep. Yeah, he got stifled under Jim Boylan. So to see what he does this year is going to be very important. But with that said, let's go ahead and jump into these games, man. Start out in Brooklyn. Your Warriors got the asses handed to him, man. I There's need, no... I need an apology. I need number an nine. Apology. Your number nine ranked player was out there busting the ass, bro. Busting the he, ass. I mean, no, he he looked he looked great, and again, like I, I'm just happy, you know, to be seeing KD and stuff. And I'm even Kyrie, for that matter, look like, you know, 100% of themselves. Or, you know, about as close to 100% as it gets. And, you know, by the end of the season, if KD looks like the second best player in the world, like, I mean, I'll, I'll be more he than already, happy. Oh, like, I my really God. He already looks like the second best player in the world. Yeah. And then, Ky- I mean, Kyrie look looked damn good, too. Like, that whole team. Ky- <laughs> see, see, I, I, okay. I have a confession to make. So, I, I mean... As everyone knows, I'm a Kyrie stan. I didn't want to jinx it, but when Reagan asked that question uh, on the top 10 episode, who's a guy you can see cracking the top 10 who's not in your top 10 list? That's a guy, mm. that, Kyrie. If he performs like this, and, and of course, it's dependent on him not getting injured and not effing up you know, the chemistry of the team, which can very well happen, both, both of those scenarios. Um, but if he performs like this consistently, which we all know he's capable of doing, I mean... Again, like what I told you guys in the group chat, I think he's the second best point guard in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's just how I feel about him. So, you you get these two performing at that level, this team is, yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. But like here, here's what Brooklyn looked like tonight. It was a they looked like the most talented team in the league, and that's true because they're really running like eight nine deep on that squad. And announcers kept on talking about how three of their bench pieces, including Jeff Green, could be starters. Yeah, where the hell was that but, coming from? What <laughs> the hell did like Jeff Green start fifty percent of the uh, teams? Like the fuck? But like, but like, Harris and Jared Allen could definitely be starters, and Dinwiddie could definitely have a bigger role on other teams. But also, B, um, they look like a team that's been waiting to play for more than five hundred calendar days. You know, so they came on the court and they played hard, a little sloppy, like every team will be. But, you know, with enthusiasm, like, Kyrie and Katie look super motivated. So, again, it's like, I kind of expected this. I kind of came into the game saying, the Warriors are going to get their ass kicked like they did last year. But, you know, props to Brooklyn for really showing up and, you know, Katie looking like vintage Katie and, and Kyrie looking like himself. The question with this team, and I think everyone will say this, is that can you maintain it over the 72 games in the playoff run without some sort of implosion or, or some sort of, weird thing going on because like Julio mentioned and I mean I think Cam in our group chats as well like they're already starting DeAndre Jordan who looks like a hundred times worse than Jared Allen you know in in these games like how much like how many games until that becomes like a chemistry or a lot man you know in all all due respect to Jared Allen I've I've been on this show saying that Jared Allen like top 10 center in the NBA if he uh, you know fulfills his potential you know I, I have respect for Jared Allen but if I'm the Brooklyn, if I'm in control of that organization and Jared Allen is messing up my chemistry, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Like, I'm not messing that thing up, bro. You're like the seventh dude on that roster that I need. Not, not even the seventh dude. Like the eighth or ninth dude on that roster that I need to be concerned with your your level of happiness within that organization. Like, yo, Jared Allen's not going to be the demise of the Brooklyn Nets. If they don't win a chip because of Brook of Jared Allen, no, bro. Well, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying, though. It's that that might be you know one piece to a larger puzzle where wherein that puzzle is locker room issues you're you're connecting a whole lot of dots that there's no credence to right now Uh, can you can you concede this if the if the brooklyn nets played like we saw we clearly saw how good they could be tonight assuming that there's no locker room issues that's an s-tier team in the eastern conference like i said that, that, that's a that's a team that makes the finals. That's dude. like that. That's like a. There's no dispute. There's no team in the Eastern Conference that should be able to mess with that well, team. Because yeah, I mean, because there's no team close to the. I mean, there's no player 
in the Eastern yeah. Conference that's as good as KD. That's that's why they were S tier, bro. Like I'm not gonna gamble on chemistry issues that may or may not happen. That's that's why I made a mess tier. That team so, was insane. I, thought, I, thought, I mean, I thought you gambled that gambled on that last year because it was obvious that it, it was it was like obvious that was gonna happen. But the reason that it was obvious it was gonna happen last and not, year and it's not obvious this season. No, because the reason that it's obvious this year is because people have like notions about certain people on the team rather than the team dynamic as a whole. I looked at the Clippers team dynamic. I was like, that's not going to work. I could tell that wasn't going to work. I look at the team dynamic of the, the, the Brooklyn Nets. That seems to work just fine. As long as people are like willing to be, you know, K- KD and Kyrie's like, you know, they know what the, the hierarchy is there. There's no one that's going to challenge so, that. It's yeah. a little bit different so, the way things operated in Los Angeles. So I, I had two big takeaways from this game. Number one, the first t- takeaway was it kind of reminded me of um, the players are not, you know, the, the the personnel isn't really similar. But when, you know, Steve Nash was playing under Mike D'Antoni in, in Phoenix, the what, how fast that offense was always going. Mm-hmm. This Brooklyn Nets team kind of reminded me of that, especially with, you know, you got Steve Nash at the helm and Mike D'Antoni behind him. Mm. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're preaching this, you know, just go, go, go. And another little small point on Brooklyn, Karis LeVert. Hooping. I mean, you can tell he loves his role. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that, you know, you wish you can tell some of these players like Dennis Schroeder that, you know, you can enjoy it so much more. Because you can, you can just see it on his face, the way he was playing. Like, Bro was taking every shot. I mean, that's literally and, what they told him to do. Like, yo. We gonna bench you, bro. But yeah. like, you got it. This is you. <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. So I, I wish more guys could kind of, you know, understand that and you know, see the benefit in doing that. Because you can get a big ass payday by just hooping on the bench. Um, and then here, here's my second takeaway that's I feel like more important. Clay Thompson makes this team a playoff team. What? If you don't, oh, the Warriors. Have, yes. Oh, I, thought, have, <laughs> I was like, what? Unless you have MVP Steph, if you don't have that, this team will not make the playoffs. Um, and I, I did have them, you know, number nine in my power ranking. So is it out of the realm of possibility? No, but I do have them out of the playoffs. Um, you know, all the all the weaknesses that we were pointing out in the group chat that the announcers were pointing out that even though I don't. Agree, agree with Chris Webber a lot mm-hmm. bro I mean it's not that hard to see all the weaknesses with this team they don't have a lot of shooting they don't have a lot of playmaking they don't have a lot of scoring and their players just look lost out there it's a bunch of I, I'm reluctant to even say average talent on that team around Steph and I mean, okay. again it, it's it's all dependent on Steph so if Steph is Steph I mean, it's it's on him because we know the players around him. We shouldn't be surprised. This team is not good. This team is not good. Nah, I, and, I, and, you know, I've been saying it from the start. It, it's just it's not good. Your best player is, other than Steph, of course, is like Kelly Oubre right now. Kelly who, Oubre had a couple you know, plays that half, was like got me out of my seat who, a Half bit. the time, half the time, he, you know, he'll give you like two highlights in a game. But, the uh, you know, the rest of the time he looks lost out there just like, Waving his hair around, you know, pointing, you know, just doing stupid things. Y'all can't see like, the Zoom call, but Ed, or Julio shook his head when he did that, waving his hair. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, that, that's my larger takeaway: that this team is just not good. It, it was put on display, and I know that a lot of teams are going to struggle their first game back, you know, uh, um, into the season. But I'm just, I just believe that. This is the consistent Warriors that, or this is the Warriors team that you're going to see consistently throughout the season. It looked rough for Steph out there. It looked like it, there were times I'm looking at Steph. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. And like, I believe, like, I still believe. I well, the reason I had them as like an A tier team is because I believed in the power of Stephen Curry, and I did think, you know, even if his teammates weren't capable of holding up their end of the bargain, his abilities alone would be enough to carry the team. 
but that might be a bit of a struggle for the dude, man. Like, it, it, you saw, like, so many double teams coming, and the reason why you couldn't double step, yeah, they did double step either way, but you would make he'd make you pay for it because you had Clay right there, and you also had Draymond who knew what the hell to do with the ball in his hands, and, oh, shit, there's Kevin Durant, one of the best scorers. Like, you know, you could not double step and get away with it, but now if you're dumping it off to Andrew Wiggins who looked pretty bad tonight, it's not the same. So Steph is really going to have to figure out how he is going to adjust his game because even him running off the ball wasn't the same. There were so many times where he was wide open. Like, that's a pass that Draymond Green yeah. makes in his sleep. I'm watching it like, yo, that make that pass, please. Like, Wiggins, you got to find the corner. Like, it was bad, man. Eddie, I know that was frustrating so, for you to watch. I mean, here, here's my thing about Steph. We know, okay, your style of play, Stephen Curry, is one of the most unselfish, you know, by – maybe the most unselfish ever by any superstar ever. And it's great. That's a compliment. But when you don't have guys around you, you can't play that same game. I don't care what your coach tell you. You, you have to, just like you said, you have to adjust your game. You got to be selfish, dog. You, you got to give me the damn ball and I'm going to shoot damn near every time. I'd rather have Steph take a bad shot than Eric Pascal, you know, who started in the game, who looked silly out there to me. Um, just coming off of screens and, you know, shooting and all these guys look out here looking lost, like lost puppies. So, <laughs> you had I mean, to throw that I'm last happy. one in there, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that your guys' Warriors cakes yeah. are more nuanced than, you know, most of the, the Twitterverse and the whatever that I can't even be mad about it. But Here's the thing, because um, Julio, you mentioned about Steve Nash's coaching, right? Or, or maybe it was Reagan, I forget who. But Steve Nash did a really good job. Um, I saw some really good sets, you know, the overall, you know, pushing the speed. Like, some really good stuff. He know he knows how to, you know, infuse a little bit of creativity into the plays, into the offense, without getting into the talent's way, getting into Kyrie and Katie's way. That's what Steve Kerr needs to figure out with this team. Um, the sooner he realizes that not every player is built for the super complicated motion offense, you know, the, the screening and back cutting and all the timing stuff that he loves to run, you know, like this personnel, I don't think is really built for that. So, you know, the sooner he realizes that you have to let Steph be Steph, meaning, you know, you have to let him cook on ball, let him run some spread pick and rolls. But at the same time, you know, like also use Steph's ability to relocate off ball and all that. So there's just, like, too much players running around meaninglessly, like, not knowing when to screen, when to dive, when to pop out to the three-point line. It just – it really needs to get simplified first. And, I mean, if I were, you know, Coach Curran, I'm not saying I could do his job, but, you know, there, there's some pretty clear takeaways you can get from this game, which is, one, uh, they need to play another shooter next to Steph in the starting line. They don't have and, any. They don't have but any. They do, but they do, though. They just play them as the 12th and 13th man off the bench. Damian Lee and Michael Mulder can shoot, and they can, like, legit use their, um, you know, use a threat as a shot because they know how to relocate. Like, they know how to move around without the ball. Um, like, they're not the best players in the world, but just having that shooting threat will open things up so much if more. If Damian is getting serious and, minutes, they are not an A-tier team. But listen, but listen you, you're moving Wiggins and Oubre into their natural positions because I don't know why Oubre is playing the two. He's not a two, he's a three. Wiggins in this league is not a three, he, he's a four. You know, like, he's a guy who guards up on defense regardless, and you rather have him slashing instead of trying to do a bunch of perimeter stuff anyways. And then you start talking about, well, you know, do you want Draymond in there as the five and just, you know, run that? Or Wiseman, you know, we can talk about Wiseman. He gets some flashes of looking pretty good. But, again, it's like there needs to be a simplification of the offense and more floor spacing. I mean, that, that that's really the beginning of it to, to make this team look a little more competent. That being said, See, what, what Julio's saying about this team going to look like this all 72 games, no, they're not going to look like this all 72 games. They're not going to look like, you know, people running around with their – Heads cut off like a chicken, you know, like all, all seventy-two games. I, like I, a bunch of lost way. puppies. Okay, they're, okay, they're gonna, they're, they're definitely gonna improve, just like every other team. But it's not, you know, I, I think it was an easy decision um, choosing the under on thirty-six and a half. Like, mm. that's just they're not gonna be an A-tier team. Well, time will tell. But we have to move on to this other game because we are running a little bit short on time. So. 
apparently Paul George is one of the 5,000 people or 5,000 listeners that have come across this podcast because he came out there with something to prove. And I have a hunch that has something to do with you, Julio, because you was going pretty hard at the dude. He said, fuck you, fuck your team. I'm finna drop 33 on Kyle Kuzma's head. And I'm going to make y'all pay for it because Paul George looked unstoppable tonight, man, especially in the, the second half in the fourth quarter. Dude was just a bucket, man, a bucket. I mean, he he his play tonight really reminded me of why I fell in love with him as a player and why he became my favorite player at one point in the NBA. Um, outside of all his BS, you know, commentary, lies, and just straight up just like just foulness off the court what you know the stuff that he blabbers out of his mouth but i mean he looked smooth tonight he looked comfortable he looked confident um so good for him i hope you know for his sake that he can continue this uh uh you know in situations that actually matter this game didn't really have juice to it um but yeah i mean good good for pg he just got his payday so for his sake i hope he can continue so we have a lot of conversations about like what kind of players, star players are floor raisers, what kind of player are ceiling raisers. And to me, Paul George is the type of player that when he looks good, the team looks good. So that's a ceiling raiser type of player. And you're the Clippers, you want to make sure that he what? looks good so the team looks good. What? What, what, what do you so mean? Prosperous about that. Because, every, because we that's know, every star. That's every no, because, star. Because we know Kawhi will, you know, get his thirty every game, get his twenty-five every game on some, you know, dribble, dribble, like pull-up middies, post, bump down, fadeaways, and you know, like they'll be outscoring them by one or two points. But when Paul George goes on one of these runs where you know he frack, okay. he, he flashes his offensive brilliance, you know, works the pick and roll, works, you know, some pin down screens, gets in the post, bumps him down, you know, d- does some like creative stuff there, and you know, start passing off of those. Moves. Uh, off of those actions, then you start seeing this Clippers team go on these, you know, 10-point uh, uh, differential runs, 15-point differential run. There's a reason why, and I know plus-minus is a flawed stat, but he was, a, a, you know, a game-high plus-17 this game, and Kawhi was only a plus-one. You know, again, one-game sample. I'm not going to read too much into it, but let's be honest. This Clippers team looks better yeah. when Paul George looks good, and it's in the Clippers' best interest to make yeah. sure, you know, he looks like the team's best player this season. I mean, d- damn straight. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what happens if Kawhi doesn't score his 30? You think Paul George is going to consistently pick up that slack in the playoffs? But I'm no. saying Kawhi didn't look good this game. And what happened? It didn't matter because Paul George, you know, because he played well, the team looked good. If Kawhi don't, doesn't get his 27, I mean, damn. Who, who, who's going to feel? He got... He's got 26 on 26 shots. If anything, you know, he was sucking some life away from the rest of the team this game. Okay. Just just, just hit me up when PG can do this consistently, though. He can't. He's not going I mean, to. Like, if you're talking about playoff performances, like, fine. That's fair. We yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. To. But he can do this over the course of a season. And just like he in see when they gave him the ball in OKC and they started looking like, you know, a top-tier yes. Western Conference team, it's the same thing with the Clippers this year. When, Kawhi is great and all. I'm not denying his greatness, but you need PG to be successful. Yeah. He, he was an MVP candidate on a team that had a pretty good record when he had more catch-and-shoots, less post-ups, and less pick-and-rolls. All things that he said he needed more of. But, so no, I but mean, you need to get the ball in his hands more. You, I mean, you, you do, to, you know, but more pick and roll action. I mean, those are just the stats. Those are just the stats. <laughs> the role, the role reversal here, <laughs> bro. Who you don't even sound right saying that, bro. Those are the stats, man. <laughs> what? I don't even sound right coming out of your mouth. On the flip side, on the Lakers side of things, Eddie, I'm gonna call you out on this one. This is why. I said there's no way that the Lakers are head and shoulders above everyone else in the Western Conference. The favorite, sure. The most talented team, okay. But there's no reason that we can say with that Clippers team playing like we know it can, there's no way we can say that the Lakers are far and away the best team in the Western Conference and that there shouldn't be any competition for them. Of course the Clippers team can come for the Lakers on any given night. 
one, I don't even think the Lakers are the most talented uh, team in the West for that matter. But, you know, championship pedigree makes up for a lot of that. And two, did we watch LeBron and AD play today? Because AD looked like he didn't really feel like playing this game. You know, he looked good when he felt like it, but he wasn't aggressive this game. LeBron, I mean, like LeBron's just going to have fun this regular season. He's back to his, you know, let me sleepwalk through the schedule ways. And guess what? They still ended up losing by seven because why? They have a deep bench unit. Montrez is a great regular season player that will keep you in games, you know, with the energy. I mean, I know Marcus saw whatever, you know, it'll take him a few games to get acclimated at his age anyways. But then, I mean, deep into the bench, like you'll get contributions up and down in that second unit for the Lakers was the reason that they came back in the game, you know, down from that first quarter uh, 21 point deficit. So again, it's like this team will attack you in all which way. And they ended up losing by seven in a game where LeBron and AD didn't even look like half of their normal selves. So no, like they are to me still clearing away the best team, even though the Clippers, you know, they looked impressive this game. So here's my thing. I do agree that Brian and AD kind of looked lazy tonight. We did start off slow, and, you know, maybe it was because of ring ceremony night. Maybe it's a trend that will continue throughout the season with Brian kind of coasting through and that the Clippers started off hot. Um, but, I mean, here's the thing why, why you can't put a big separation between the Lakers and the rest of the league, specifically the Clippers, is that when Paul George is on, I believe – that that team, just like I said last year, is still and it it does pain me to say this because obviously the Lakers are my favorite team. We just won the championship. But I I think that they're better. I I think that they they can easily be a better team. And you know, when you take Paul George out of the equation, you lose in the second round. That's how important he is to that team to performing well. Um, But when he's on, I think they can be a better team, especially with the offseason moves that they made. We talked about whether you know these teams got worse or better. I think they got better. So I, I just don't think that separation that Eddie that you're talking about is there between with the Lakers and you know the the rest of the league. I mean, what you just said but is literally what like, Paul, where Eddie was just saying about Paul George, right? Like when he's on, when he's hooping, like we know he can. That's a hard team to mess with. Like you, you can like it, it, Paul George looked damn near unguardable there must have been at least like seven eight shots and i was like well there's nothing you could do about that paul george is just cooking right now so i'm inclined to agree with you man i'm not saying that they were better i'm still saying that lakers are the best team in the west but the clippers are not no joke man but the thing is you need paul george to be consistently like this maybe not you know 13 or 18 every game but you need him to be like this and you need lebron and ad to severely underperform for me for the clippers you know, to have a chance. So does that make it that it shouldn't be an S tier in your guys's book? Like maybe, but if it takes that many factors, you need the Lakers superstars to underperform and the Clippers superstars to really overperform. Like you're asking for a lot to happen. It's not like impossible, but like, that's a lot. I would know? say like, not the, the Lakers. Hmm. I, w- I wouldn't say that the Clippers superstars overperform Paul George, perhaps, but holistically between Paul George and Ka- Kawhi Leonard, like you could just expect like that sort of yeah, I would say you could expect that sort of output between the two of them on a given night. But but like over seven games, that's what you're asking. You're you're asking for the Clippers stars, you know, to be far and away like look a lot better than the Lakers stars over you know a seven game series. Okay, that, that's still something I, I, my, I'm not going to buy a lot of stock into. My takeaway, you know, big with the Lakers. Uh, my big takeaway with the Lakers is that I think that we need another big man. And I was saying this earlier, you know, before the end of the offseason, that you have Marcus Saul, I think, and I believe that he should be the starter with his experience, his, you know, knowledge of the game, you know, his passing ability um, and, and his three-point shooting ability. He should definitely start. But Marcus Saul cannot be sustainable throughout a 72-game season, whether he's going to get hurt, whether he needs to take games off, because of his age or, you know, what, what, whatever the case may be. But you saw it tonight. What if he's healthy? Even if he's healthy, what if you get him into foul trouble? You got two big men left. You got Trez and AD. Trez isn't defending the rim, and AD obviously he can, but he, you know, he doesn't like playing the five, and we know how AD is um, 
you know, about, you know, positionality on, on his prospective team. Uh, but when you only have those two guys and those are two great big men to have, I mean, what else? You have to have something else. You, you got to have something else. Mm. Perhaps we should go get Larry Sanders from somewhere. But, oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Um, I mean, well, I mean, I was like, if AD can play center, like that, that's a pretty good center rotation in my eyes. I mean, you can throw Costas at Tenacupo, I guess. I'm anyways anyways, um i do think it it has to be like stated though that serge abaca's effect on this game was felt i think that was really palpable the difference that he makes for that clippers offense having a guy who can stretch out to the three-point line that you can use in those pick and pop situations that was dangerous he put up three threes tonight made two of them but that's going to be a force to be reckoned with and something that you really have to deal with guarding that team over Long term, but you know what? But you know what the fix for that is, right? The fix for a pick and just pop. Move AD, no, yeah, just just move AD up to the five when you know you need him to. I mean, that's that, still that like if, if I'm the Clippers, that's that. a win for me. Like I, if, if I have if you have to respect my pick and pop so much that you have to take AD from like where he's most impactful, which is at the rim, and put him on the perimeter. I'm taking that every day of the week, and now I'm crashing down. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 gonna be. If you run Serge Ibaka at the five for that team and you roll out with that, that same lineup except perhaps maybe Lou Williams instead of Patrick Beverly, like that's a tough team to deal with now because if you have to take AD out of the paint to, to deal with Serge Ibaka, that's like a pretty severe disadvantage to the Lakers' defense. I mean, I, I guess, but, you know, AD is a type of defender to me where he can close out at the perimeter, which, you know, his mobility to move from the perimeter to the interior is, is again, what makes him a special defender. And why Sergi Baca was getting all sorts of open threes against Marcus Saul, who's not going to move like that. So, um, I mean, it's going to be a good regular season weapon for me. But it's 2020. Like teams should be able to figure out how to defend a pick and pop by now. Like if you can't, what like, what are you doing even trying to contend? So, and and the Lakers, you know, have the requisite solution for that. That's what you know. If Anthony Davis is cool with playing the five in the playoffs that he was last year, you know, it's not it's not really a problem. All right. So what what is the most interesting thing that you took away from the game maybe not the biggest takeaway but just something that you know you saw during one of the two games today that made you kind of ponder on something like hmm that's interesting to me i I mean i already mentioned it clay thompson makes your team a playoff team you take him out of the equation you're a sub 500 team Mm. Uh, and yes you can uh, say it's it's about the system but Clay Thompson, Dan, I mean, you saw his importance today. In my I don't, opinion. I don't, I don't want you to paint me into Clay Thompson hate because that's like the that's like the farthest thing from what I could. Oh, that but, is not the furthest thing. Stop, I mean, like, I am come on. Look, as a Warriors fan, like I can't, you can't tell me that I'm some sort of Clay Thompson hater. But I'm not, not going to go too much further into that. But. Uh, let's see. Interesting takeaway that Steph somehow averaged ten assists that was in this game is kind of interesting to me because I didn't think that the team made like ten shots total throughout the game. <laughs> but again, it's like I don't know. Sometimes these numbers will just creep up onto you, and you know, Steph silently struggled to the tune of twenty and ten this game. So again, like as, as things get a little bit more comfortable, and and as every team is getting out of their you know preseason mode. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna already throw away my belief in in this Warriors team yet. So yeah, for me, I would say James Wiseman. He's confirming a lot of the things that I thought about him going into the draft, and he didn't. He wasn't by yeah. no means a perfect player today. Um, Eddie, you mentioned it in the group chat, like he was just dead ass missing on screens. Like he just wasn't. Like like guys were defending the the on ball player. And James Wiseman's screen would have zero effect on their ability to do that. They weren't having to running around him. They were, like, barely brushing by him. But offensively, the dude looked like everything that I thought he would be. He's able to run the rim. He showed some ability to stretch out. He's obviously aggressive on the boards. He's athletic as hell. He can catch lobs. I don't, you know, he was his, those, those, what would you call them, brick hands that he you thought he had pre-draft? Like, I didn't see any of that. He looked really good today, um, which was good to see because, you know, I'm always all right for the guys from Memphis. Can't collect a rebound, though, apparently. Hey, it'll come in due time. But, Eddie, you got to admit, like, you, you saw James Wiseman today. No, and you do, saw some I stuff. Do. I think, 
again, it's I mean, all about fundamentals with bigs. He's doing too many. No, I, I, this is going to sound like I'm phrasing it in a bad way because the flashy stuff is what separates him. But, you know, he's got to lock down the fundamentals first, you know, learn how to box out, use your positionality on rebounds, you know, set good screens, like hit him on screens. And then, you know, figure out where to be on the floor so you don't get in other people's way. All, I mean, all fundamental stuff that he needs to hammer down. You can't tell me, though, that you wouldn't have rather used the pick as a trade asset. This team is not I mean, trying to tank. This team is trying but, to win games. Like depending on depending on who was available. Because I don't know if that many teams wanted James Wiseman like that. I mean, no, I mean, it wouldn't be James Wiseman. It'd be whoever you'd want at the number two pick. Whether it's Melo or, you know, all these other players. I mean, I know you're going to mention Bradley Beal, you know, <laughs> honorary Bradley Beal mention every episode. Every episode, got to get the Bradley Beal. I don't think that would have happened, you know, like, just honestly. I, I mean, even if it's not Bradley Beal, I still don't think I, I'd rather have James Wiseman over a proven kind of at, or player in the in the league. Well, time will ultimately tell. Before we get out of here, though, I do want to flip one more question to you guys because there is a decent number of games on the slate for tomorrow. Which one are you most excited to see? Shoot, I don't even know. <laughs> Caught y'all lacking. Caught y'all lacking. Do you know some of the games? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at yeah, them. I think, I, yeah, I think, Julio, you might like a Charlotte and Cleveland. Face. Oh, into that one. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. Although, no, I am excited to see um, what Darius Garland does this year. I think Darius Garland's got some stuff to him, for sure. I'm going to I'm gonna go Hawks-Bulls, and I feel like Reagan was going to say this. Mm. But I'm going to take Hawks-Bulls. Okay. Two young I thought, teams that I thought, be fighting for that eight seed. I, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say Utah-Portland because of your Portland mm. kind of love this year. I mean... Give... Over 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 seventy two games, maybe. <laughs> you're gonna oh, say Hawks gotta, Bulls me, over some of these games, dude? For me, for me, it's got to be Mavericks Phoenix. That's because you got two 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 of my five favorite players in the league in mm-hmm. D Book and uh, and Luca. Yeah, so I, I, I got to go with that game. I guess I'll take the last one, man. The Bucks and Celtics. You could be looking at an Eastern Conference. Oh, actually, never mind. I'm tripping on that. Eastern Conference semifinal preview in that, man. That's going to be two really good. <laughs> I almost said the Eastern Conference Finals like the Brooklyn Nets didn't just show their whole ass tonight. But, uh, you know, those are two really good teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm excited to see how Drew Holiday looks in the context of that uh, uh Milwaukee offense, and I'm excited to see if maybe, maybe, just maybe, I have holding out some hope that Giannis got something else in the bag this year that he didn't have last year. Maybe, please. I want to put him up higher on my top 10 list, but I can't do it until he shows me something else, man. But time can only tell. So, any last words before we get up out of here? Nope. All right. Uh, oh. Maybe, maybe, uh, Chris Middleton plays basketball tomorrow. Yes, he does. You know Eddie's riding for Chris Middleton, man. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we are back again for another NBA season. 5,000 listeners by the end of the first month. By the time we turned around and got to the next NBA season, who knows where we're going to be at? Who knows where the world is going to be at throughout this the course of this next season, man? It's been a crazy course of events that have occurred since we started this podcast. So who the hell knows what's going to happen over the course of the next year, man? But we're here for the ride, and we're going to be podcasting all the way through it, man. So appreciate y'all for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.